I was out and about last night with my wife and um, looking into the eyes of people, there's either joy or terror knowing that there's five days left to Christmas. Um, I don't know where you find yourself today, um, but here we are, right? We're, we're five days left. We're in the final countdown. Um, we're actually at the final end of um, our series here. Um, if you're new to Grace Point or maybe this is your first time joining in with us uh, we've been in this series, as you've you already heard from Pastor Josh, uh, Four Thoughts That Can Change the World. This is um, kind of revolving around this movement that we've been a part of uh, for the last 10 years or so. We've taken a break, and we're kind of hitting a reset on it this year um, as a church. But Advent Conspiracy is a, it's a worldwide movement, really. There's churches in um, six of seven continents on the world. Antarctica's kind of still holding out on us, but I'm pretty sure there's a plan to get there. Um, but it's this idea of celebrating and approaching Christmas a little bit different, right? And there's four thoughts. There's four tenets um, to, to Advent conspiracy. Uh, the first one is, is worship fully. Um, we, we said that Christmas begins and ends with Jesus, that he is the center. He's the middle of it. And so we're going to worship fully. I hope you've worshiped well the other six days of the week throughout this season. Um, but it's not just worship fully. It is spend less, uh, spend less energy, less anxiety, less cranky words, uh, maybe even spend less money on lots and lots and lots of gifts or spend less money on expensive gifts. But you, you, you compare compare that or you, you pair that with give more. Um, are we going to surprise the kids on Sunday morning or, or Christmas morning? Yes, absolutely. We're going to do that. Nothing wrong with giving gifts, but let's think through how we can retell and how we can reflect the story of Christmas in our gift giving. And then as you've already heard to today, we wrap up with the last thought that uh, can still change the world, which is love all. And for some of you, you are already the, thinking this idea sounds idealistic, right? Love all, Tim? Really? Like we can love everybody? Um, in fact, <clears throat> there's going to be a moment here um, in, in just a few minutes where just, um, just because of the world in which we live, uh, because we automatically go to, to outrage, because we have how quickly we want to defend ourselves, there's going to be a moment here where some of you, I don't know this for sure, but some of you are going to be tempted to shut off the computer. You're going to be tempted to put the phone down. You're going to be tempted to walk out of the room. You're going to be tempted to tune me out, whatever that looks like for you. I hope you don't, but I'm just telling you, you'll be tempted. I hope you don't, because I, I want you to hear the end. I want you to see how this all ties together, how this all helps us get deeper into the story of that first Christmas. So let's, let's talk about what it means to love all. Love is, um, love is a, a hard word to pin down, right? How do you define it? What, 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 what does it really mean? Because here, I love Christmas cookies, but I love my wife too. Those aren't the same thing right? So, so what, what, what kind of love are we talking about? And if anybody gets this, it's kids. 
They're the ones who can, can see how this all connects together. They just have such an innocent way of explaining this. I've shown you a couple of these before, but here's how kids define love. Uh, the first one, love is when your puppy licks your face, even after you've left him alone all day. And I can hear all of the dog people throughout Topeka going, oh, right? Second one, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different you know that your name is safe in their mouth. I'm going to pray and end right there, right? Like that, that, that's it. What would happen? <clears throat> what would happen in our world if people's names were safe in each other's mouth? Let's get personal. Are your family and friends' names safe in your mouth? I, I hope your names are safe in my mouth. And I hope and pray my name is safe in your mouth. How about this one? When my grandma got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So grandpa does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Again, some of you are going, aw. Some of you going, ooh, feet at Christmas, Tim, really? One more. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. Again, that's true. It's true. People, people forget, so we should say it a lot, but we should also do more than say it, right? I, I think we should show it. We need to show people in tangible ways that we love them, that, that God loves them. And I'm not just talking about our, our, our friends, our family, our coworkers, the people that are in the room with you right now. I'm, I'm talking about people outside of your family, outside of your home, outside of the, the Topeka city limits, outside of the boundaries of the United States. I'm talking about loving all. That's, that's the thought that we're going after today. So, so here we go. Um, last week, I told you to pay attention to this passage in Philippians chapter 2, the example that Jesus showed us of, of how, to hum, how he humbly stepped into our world and became a servant. Let me, let me show you a companion verse to that from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty might become rich. I've, I've heard this verse taught and stretched to say um, that Jesus went through all that he went through so you and I could be financially wealthy. And that is poor biblical scholarship. If you're reading that, if somebody else is teaching that, I'm telling you that's not what Paul is saying here. It's so much deeper, it's so much, pardon the pun, but it's so much richer than, than just that. When, when Jesus enters into poverty, first of all, like we talked about last week in, in, in Philippians, that first step from heaven to earth is automatic poverty because he leaves the riches of heaven to come to this sin-scarred planet, right? But, but, but then we see him wrapped in these strips of linen as a baby, which is what poor peasant couples would do. With their babies. He spends his first night in a feeding trough. He, he grows up uh, in a very difficult existence for his first 30 years in Nazareth. He enters a public ministry where his name is not safe in other people's mouths. 
And then he's betrayed by one of his closest friends. That's all a part of his poverty. But nowhere do we see it more clearly. Nowhere do you see Jesus' poverty more clearly than on the cross. Jesus, the, the Son of God, became poor so that we could enjoy the, the riches of a relationship with God, that we could be made right with God. And don't forget, we could never pay the debt that we owed him. We could never cover that distance. And so Jesus did that for everyone who is poor. And let's just say it out loud. You and I are poor spiritually. You and I are destitute spiritually speaking, when, when, Luke, or when Jesus says in Luke chapter 4 that he's come to bring good news to the poor, that, that's part of what he's saying there, is that if, if you can't make it to God on your own, I got really good news. If you can't cover the distance between you and God, I've got really good news. If you're morally and spiritually bankrupt, I've got really good news. Jesus came to give really good news to Roman soldiers and to beggars, to lepers and to prostitutes, to the high and mighty elites and to the lowly working class, to the religious, to the irreligious, the the well-read, the illiterate, men, women, and children. He came to bring good news to everybody who couldn't cover the the gap, which means it's good news for all because we're all poor. We are all destitute. We are morally and spiritually bankrupt without Jesus. There is a spiritual meaning to this that we can't overlook. But because some of you like it when I'm blunt, let me just be blunt. There's a common sense reading to this too. Like there's, a, there's a, just a, a plain reading to this. It's everything I just said, but it's also more. Jesus came to bring good news to the poor, the under-resourced, people who were overwhelmed and undervalued, people who were out of options. And listen, I know there are politically correct words these days, and I know why we need to use them when it comes to this. But I'm not going to avoid this word when it keeps on popping up in my Bible. You, You see it over and over and over again, that God is for the poor. All throughout Scripture, God leans in the direction of those who are less fortunate. It starts all the way back in Torah. Take care of the widow. Take care of the orphan. Take care of the stranger in your land. Refugee is the word there, by the way. Take care of those who do not have as much as you. In Proverbs, I'm paraphrasing here, but in Proverbs we read over and over and over, if you overlook the poor, you're overlooking God. If you jack with the poor, you jack with God. So over and over, God told Israel that they needed to lean into this. So it, doesn't, it, it makes perfect sense that when Jesus shows up, he, he, just, he just carries that message forward. I need you to pay attention to this. My father pays attention to this. We need to take it seriously. So what does that mean? How do we, how do you, how do we take this seriously? Well, again, I'm about to say more than what some of you want me to say. I'm about to say less than what some of you want me to say. Some of you are going to think I'm being too liberal. Some of you are going to think I'm not being liberal enough. And you're both tuning in right now, by the way. So welcome to Grace Point. 
when you follow Jesus, when, when you have accepted his grace, when you allow his spirit to change you from the inside out, he is going to press on this in you. He's going to teach. He's going to convict. He's going to nudge you that the less fortunate, the overlooked, the overwhelmed, the vulnerable, the poor, they matter. They matter to him. And we are called, as followers of Jesus, we are called to come alongside and ease the back-breaking, soul-crushing pain of poverty in this world, to which some of you automatically want to go, well, that's the government's job. Hang on. Hang on with me, okay? Let's talk about justice. And even when I say that word, some of you are like, if you add social in front of that, so help me. I get that. I get that. We, this, it, it's become so political. It's, it's been hijacked. But this is a perfectly biblical term, okay? If you don't like the word justice, you actually have to get rid of the word righteousness, too. It's the same word, at least in the Old Testament it is. So you can't get rid of this. We are called to make things right in this world by joining and coming alongside God in what he's doing. But again, the problem is we've made it political. It's become political. I'm not talking politics. I'm not talking parties or candidates. I'm talking about you as an individual follower of Jesus partnering with God in making things right in this world. And yes, there are pockets of the church that have gotten off course in this. And I'm painting with broad strokes here, right? There's, there's one camp, there's the social gospel camp that's just about feeding people and making sure they have a place to live and making sure they have clothes. And, and that's, that's what's most important. We're never going to mention Jesus because that's too confrontational. I just want to meet needs, right? That's one camp. And then on the other side, there are people that say life is short. It's all about eternity. Forget about all that stuff. It's too complicated. We can never meet all those needs. Heaven and hell is real. So let's just tell them about Jesus, right? There's two different camps. So which one of those is right? Which one of those is the gospel? Trick question. Because the answer is both. There's parts of the gospel in both of those things. We will always point people to Jesus because we believe that heaven and hell is real. But you cannot ignore the places in Scripture where Jesus says, I want you to join me in serving the least of these. So which is it? It's both. You can do both. This, this dichotomy of you have to choose a camp is wrong. You don't have to. You can do both. In fact, there, there are some scholars who say you can, you, can, um, you, can, you can wrap up the entire Old Testament in Micah 6, 8. Some of you know this verse, right? Micah 6, 8. He, talking about God, he has shown you, O mortal, that's you and me, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. Your translation might say to do justice, but wait, there's more. And to love mercy. The word in Hebrew there is, is loving kindness. It's as close to the concept of grace that you can get in the Old Testament. So you do justice, but you also live by grace. You love mercy, and then let's all walk humbly with your God. So I think, I, I think one of the distinguishing marks of a, of a Jesus follower all the time, but especially at Christmas, is our willingness to do this, to do justice, to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with our God in serving the less fortunate, in coming alongside those who don't have the same resources, who are overwhelmed, who are out of options. Because I think, I think it matters. To God, it matters. To Jesus, I could make the case that Jesus takes it personally. You go to Matthew chapter 25, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Translation, I take it personally when you take care of the least of these. You've done it unto me. And why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? He was poor. He was poor. There's there's no other way to put it. I've shown you this before, but you go to Luke chapter 2, Christmas story, at the very end of Luke chapter 2, right? And and we just, we skim right over this because we we don't dig deep enough to actually see it. Uh, It's so eye-opening. Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 22, Joseph and Mary took him, talking about Jesus, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. Mary and Joseph were good Jews. They followed the sacrificial system. They did this to to, to do what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. The thing that we read over is the normal sacrifice whenever you take a newborn to to, 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 to the temple. The normal sacrifice is a lamb. But if you were dirt poor, the law allowed you Just bring two pigeons. Mary and Joseph are dirt poor. That's what Luke is telling us. They're dirt poor. They have no upward mobility. They they, they have no way to increase their wealth. They are dirt poor, and they are going to remain dirt poor for their entire lives. This is how Jesus grew up. He was dirt poor. And so when he says, whenever you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me, he knows what it means to be the least of these. I'll say it again. This matters to Jesus. And he wants it to matter to us. It should matter to us. And part of what what I, I believe you and I are called to pay attention to is taking care of the poor because God cares about them. They matter to him. So, so that's, that's the heavy part of the message. You got through it. Way to go, okay? Let's come up for air for a second, all right? Here's what I want you to do. With the people that are in the room with you or if you're watching this on Facebook and you want to join along, um, talk with the people around you for a second. Here's what I want you to talk about. What are some of your favorite Christmas traditions, What are the things that make Christmas special to you? Talk with each other for a couple minutes. We'll come back and pull all this together. I promise you it all connects, all right? What are some of your favorite Christmas traditions? Talk about that for a couple minutes, and we'll be right back.
All right, I know some of you might still want to keep talking, but let's, uh, let's, let's jump back into this. Um, one of my favorite traditions growing up was going to my grandma Mueller's house after Christmas Eve every single year and eating as much shrimp as I possibly could. I always went home sick to my stomach from eating so much shrimp. I just signed me up. I still do it to this. I'd love to do it to this day. Uh, I'd, I'd love that tradition. Maybe um, for you, uh, it was Christmas morning breakfast. It's um, decorating the tree together, going to a movie on Christmas Day. It might be a little difficult this year. Uh, making cookies. I, I asked the, the worship team and the tech team, there's tamales, there's Papa Murphy's. There's always food around our traditions, aren't they? There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, but I, I, one of the traditions that I've missed over the last three years is the one that I'm getting ready to ask you to join with me again. Um, we've, we, we talk about the overlooked, the overwhelmed, the undervalued, and, and we're not just talking about people that we know, right? We're not just talking about the people in our sphere of influence. Um, we're talking about people all over the world and, and the, the undervalued, the overwhelmed, the overlooked, and, and I'm asking you, I'm asking us to to give to people like that, to people that you may never know, to to names, to faces, to places that that you'll never know. If you you don't know, maybe you haven't connected the dots, maybe you haven't been around Grace Point uh, for very long, but we, we have so many opportunities throughout the year as a church to give to, to people like this all around the world. And we do it every single year. And this, this year, it looks a little bit different. But um, I, I asked you back in October, or I showed you back in October, this same thing. But I want to I show you again where some of our giving is going to go through this tradition. Um, all the way from here in Topeka, there's, there's at-risk kids in Topeka through um, the bridge that we serve. Um, there's, there's those without homes through Topeka Rescue Mission that you help, that you love on. Um, we, we love on orphans in Rwanda and Reynosa. Um, we, we, we help with those who need access to food, not just here in Topeka, but all around the world through uh, Trash Mountain Project and some of our missionary partners. Um, trash dump communities. You, you guys know that we've been a big part of, of Trash Mountain Project in the Philippines, but we also do that in Honduras, in Dominican Republic, in Ethiopia. Uh, you're helping bring hope and healing to those communities. Uh, medical needs in China. We have a, a missionary couple in China that helps hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people um, in, in the outlying villages uh, with medical needs that, that they don't have access to otherwise. Um, human trafficking, that is something that many of you in our church are uh, very, very passionate about. But again, through these different partnerships, through these different organizations, you help with that um, blight in our world. Um, and then the other thing, again, you may not know this, but you invest in married couples all around the United States every single year through your giving. You help put on these weekend um, marriage retreats that, that, that couples that are either you know, barely surviving or thriving come to and, and pour into their marriage. So those, that's just, that's just a, a, a specific, tangible list of things that, that we get to compete or that we get to, um, to be a part of. It's not a complete list, 
There's obviously the, the spiritual needs, the, 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 the church, the churches that you help get up and running, the, the churches that you help um, start in different areas in the world. We've talked about the church that um, we're helping get up and running in Kansas City, Kansas. Um, but this is, again, it's an incomplete list of how we're going to love all this year. And I'm asking you, to join me in this new Christmas tradition that maybe you've forgotten about or maybe um, you never consider. And, and I promise you it has nothing to do with us because I'm not asking you to give to the church. I'm asking you to give through it. But this is where our Advent conspiracy offering is going to go because here's, here, here's the, the bottom line. It's not enough to sing about, to talk about, to read about the story of Christmas. We have to live this out. We have to live out this idea that God came and became poor for us. And this is one of the ways that we believe as a church, as a collective body, that we can do this together. And so I've, I've kind of talked about what we're going to do, and now it's just time to talk about how we're going to do it. It's really simple. Uh, we're just asking you to give above and beyond your regular giving to the Advent Conspiracy offering. And I hope you've talked about it with your family. If you haven't, you've got time. I hope you pray about it. If you haven't, you've got time. But, but it's, it's time for us to give. And those options are the same as our regular giving. You can give through the Church Center app. Um, you can go to our website, gracepointtopeka.org, and give there. If you want to write an old-fashioned check, you can do that too. Just make sure if you do write a check that you, that you put in the memo, Advent Conspiracy, because we want our record keepers to make sure and get that into um, the right account. We don't want that to get mixed up. Um, we're going to leave this open. Usually we just kind of do it at the very end of the year, but because of the way that things are right now, um, we're going to actually leave this open until March of 2021. Um, again, because of the way things are right now, because we're a little disconnected, uh, we want to leave that open. Obviously, if you want this to go um, towards your tax records for 2020, we need that before uh, December 31st. Um, but that's, that's how we're going to do it. That's what we're asking you to do. But all of it, in, in all of it, as you give, I just want you to remember that this is our way as a church to give to people all over the world and say to them, in Jesus' name, we love you. That's really all it is. In, in fact, I would say ultimately, we're giving this to Jesus. It's a gift we give to him because we're giving to the least of these. And Jesus said, when you give to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So Jesus takes it personally, and we're just loving him through loving people. We richly love because we've been so richly loved, right? And here's, here's, here's the really, really good news. Of, like, I don't want us to miss this. The really good news of Christmas is that Jesus came for me. Jesus came for you. He, he, he came when, when we were morally and spiritually bankrupt. He still came. We couldn't cover the gap. We, we couldn't figure out how to get to him. And everybody watching this right now can say the exact same thing. That's the good news of Christmas. And so before we head into a crazy week full of hopefully lots of, of joy and, and love, um, I want to celebrate one more time 
Worship team's going to come, and we're going we're gonna to celebrate this Emmanuel, God with us. I want us to remember what he did for us. I want us to be affected in, in some way emotionally by his grace. Because remember at the beginning when we talked about grandma and grandpa and the toenails, some of you got grossed out, okay? But here, here, here's, here's the next thing. On the night Jesus was betrayed, when his disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, Jesus took a towel, he wrapped it around his waist, and he served in the most menial way possible, in the most humbly way possible. He washed their feet. And he says, guys, I've given you a new standard. I want you to love as I have loved you. And I believe, I think we believe that kind of love can change relationships, it can change cities, it can change homes, it can change schools. I don't know, it might even change the world. And when I remember, when I reflect on how God has loved me, how can that not change how I love you? And now together, we love each other, but we also love those who are under-resourced and undervalued and forgotten and, and don't have options like we have options. Not out of some middle-class guilt, not because Tim put the screws to us, but as a reasonable, realistic reaction to the love that we've been extended. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And I hope, I hope you'll give joyfully. I hope you'll give sacrificially. I hope, um, I hope you'll tune in to our Christmas Eve service later this week. If I don't see you before then, which I probably won't for most of you, Merry Christmas. We hope to see you in 2021. But let's sing together one last time.